You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Good evening. David Hall. Hey, hey, hey. Greg Hectus. Evening, gentlemen. Mason Stiver. Hey, guys. And special guest Kevin Hash. What's going on? Hey, welcome. Well, thanks for coming on, Kevin. Uh, we'd like to get to lo- know a little bit about you and uh, how you got involved in iRacing. So let's go through a little Q&A. Uh, when did you first hear about iRacing, the very first time, and how did you hear about it? And uh, how did you get started? Uh, the first time I really heard about it was back closer to 2010, back when I was really first getting into different stuffs of online racing. And I think it was a back when the Peak Series was running and Junior was still competing. I'd seen a live stream of it, and I, I, after I seen it, I knew once I could get the funding, it would definitely be something I wanted to get. All right. So Junior, uh, it seems like that's an answer that a lot of people give. Uh, tell us about your setup. Uh, what kind of wheels, pedals, uh, hardware you got? How many monitors, or is it VR? Um, currently, I've really not got nothing too too impressive. But I've got a 27-inch LG monitor, full HD. Um, G, just a regular G27 wheel shifter. Um, I have the upgraded springs in the pedals, and really, that's about it. All right, very good. Uh, what about software, uh, third-party stuff? Uh, you, you know, you got TeamSpeak. Uh, anything else, though? Uh, yeah, I use uh, I analyze for building a lot of like open super speedway sets, open oval sets. Um, also, switch over and use VRS stuff for a lot of just a lot of different stuff. I need a base set or something. I always check them out. Got the uh, subscription where I can get the data packs and just go through and use them. It definitely makes it a lot easier not having to start from scratch. It does. I have that baseline to give you somewhere to start with. All right, cool. Uh, now, we know you through from Online Sim Racing Association. I think Mason runs over there with you in, the, in that league, OSRA. And uh, you were running our paint job over there. Uh, that's pretty cool. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, where Mason couldn't make it, uh, he pushed me to a win earlier in the season, so I was definitely happy to necessarily be running for him um sorry i couldn't get any better result than what i had i made a little bit of a bad move toward the end of it i think i i think i could have won it had i not been impatient and just played it a little bit more by ear but it was it was definitely a blast it's uh one of the funnest leagues i've ran in and uh mason's definitely a good person to have on or have on your team when uh it's getting toward the end of the race well there you go all right, so you like OSRA. Tell us about any other leagues uh, that you're involved with. Do you run official? What do you run in official? And are you on any kind of team? Um, I help uh, Raymond Rittenauer out a lot. We've uh, done quite well at different plate tracks on the official side. We've tried to get into a couple different things. Um, this season, unfortunately, the way both of our schedules worked, we didn't get to necessarily try. We was going to try for the iRacing Road to Pro, where he has a pretty high I rating. And uh, unfortunately, this season, it just didn't pan out. So we're going to try to regroup, try to get a little bit more in the gun, see if I can't get mine up a little bit and uh, see if we can't make a possible run for it next season. I know we probably ain't going to be 
near what a lot of those top elite guys are, but we've got to start somewhere. And uh, uh, other leagues I run in, I run in a uh, another one called Iron Thunder Racing League, hosted by Sawyer Ott. It's it's a fun league, has different tracks. Um, Online Sim Racing Association runs mostly super speedway stuff. Um, this season, looking like it's going to be where the cup cars do so well at Michigan and Auto Club and stuff, possibly running there too. Um, really, really uh, don't get to spend as much time as I'd like to racing, but uh, the ones I do, I try my best and definitely, definitely have fun in all the ones I'm a part of. All right, very good. Yeah, Road to Pro is, uh, I think it's good for people to run it, even if you don't have a chance of maybe making it, uh, because there's a lot of people running it, and that makes it popular, and that means there's a lot of people, and then you have a lot of splits, and that means you're racing people of your own caliber. That's what it really comes down to when you're in NIS or Road to Pro, where they have a lot of drivers. And so, uh, yeah, that's the way to go, I think. Oh, for sure. Um, I'd ran... uh think it was the only other thing i've seen to keep close to the same strength of field is probably like whenever you go to the big tracks like daytona or one of the full length nis races it's probably the only things i've seen that have kept a close enough strength of field to where if you've entered you probably got a chance to win right right yeah sometimes when you jump in these official races where there's just one split there's no chance because there's some guy in there that's, you know, 6,000 or something, and it's going to be tough to beat him. <laughs> oh, yeah, what about, sure. uh, what else are you doing besides ovals? I mean, are you doing any dirt or road or uh, any of the other iRacing stuff? Um, not a whole lot of dirt. I still haven't figured out how to do it successful enough for me to be willing to go into official races and stuff. But uh, I do run a lot of the endurance races. I like running like the Daytona 24, the Le Mans coming up, um, possibly looking at just a couple other things. Indy, I'm wanting to run the Indy 500 again. First time I'd be running it since 2015, my first year on on the sim. But, I mean, it a lot, a lot of time is spent on the oval side, probably a little bit more than I really should to be good at the other places. But, uh I, I do enjoy mixing it up a little bit. All right, yeah. We got Lamar coming, and Indy 500's right around the corner, so uh, coming soon. All right, very good. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, what what's next uh, for you on iRacing? Uh, are you looking to get any new hardware? What would be the next thing you need to get, or if you're going to get anything? Or, uh, you know, what's the next league you're going to run? Um, I've been looking at... You know, possible VR, I think everybody, to a point, would like to be able to have VR. Um, I finally upgraded graphics card back up to the newer, I think it's the 1660 Ti from NVIDIA. I may, maybe 50. I'm, I forgot which one, but that was my most recent upgrade. Um, but looking at possibly going VR or triples or something in the future. But right now, just using what I got, everything seems to be tried and true. I I feel like I feel confident with what I got and I feel like anything else I grab is going to be a learning curve for the first little bit and it I believe I could be better but it's that how long will that learning curve take but uh as for leagues looking forward to the next season of the online sim racing association um came close this season for a championship wanting to go and get the be the first one to win two championships over there on that league um now that we've mixing up some other tracks in there too, the last season we'd done that, I 
was the champion. So I'm going to try to defend that. Um, Iron Thunder Racing League getting ready for the next one over there. Uh, didn't have much luck this most previous season over there, but looking to rebound and uh, possibly either me or uh, one of my teammates, Eric uh, Drapeau, could possibly get the championship. So looking forward to that as well. All right. <clears throat> I was just looking at your stats page. Uh, your winning percentage on over over on oval overall four point two percent. Pretty good. That's a bit higher than where I stand. And uh, I see here that you won the Daytona five hundred this year. Wow, that's pretty big. Oh yeah, I, it was really my first year. Well, I think I've only missed it one year since twenty fifteen. But uh, with the new package and everything, I decided to go ahead and give it another try. And it everything went pretty smooth i would like to say i had to overcome controversy or come back from something major but i really hung around about the top 10 the whole race and then had uh some people that i'd worked with previously pushing them to the front and such to push me back out there and once i got out there i think it ended under caution i'm pretty sure but i was it was definitely a big win for me i i dreamed of it the first year i ran i came so close finishing second and i've been top five in the closing laps i want to say just about every time and either get wrecked or just nobody go with you so very happy to finally get one of those it is definitely probably my biggest official win for sure all right so would you call that your most memorable iRacing moment uh i would say for official for sure league wise i think really probably winning the championship not this season that just completed for osra but the season before it definitely it was a huge weight lifted off it was one of those ones that it was coming down to the wire uh, actually a driver i had driving for my team was coming up was on my outside right before basically the race ended and it was looking i watched him come from 11th to third on the relative in one lap and i knew it was getting real. It, it was a do or die moment. Luckily, I hadn't, I had enough luck on my side on that one for sure. But I'd say those two moments are probably, probably ones I can always look back on and feel pretty confident with myself. All right, OSRA, uh, check out Kevin W Hash over there, and that's uh, your iRacing name has the W in there. So Kevin W Hash, welcome to the lounge. Uh, we're happy to have you here, and and uh, thanks for coming on today. And thank you all for having me. It's, it's definitely been a blast. And uh, look forward to maybe I can be up here for winning here in the future. Well, absolutely. Uh, so let's get into topics uh, next. But first, uh, our we do sponsor the Sim Racing Authority uh, Sunday Night Xfinity Series at uh, in their league. Uh, and they're off for Easter. And so they did not run this week. Uh, they have a great league over there. And we're happy to be associated with Sim Racing Authority. So check those guys out. Uh, let's talk about the peak race, boys. I was impressed is the way I walked away with the racing that we saw there. Um, just amazing stuff. I mean, it doesn't really get better than that. But first, uh, Mason, let's talk about the night before I was at work, but what happened? Yeah, there was an A open that, um, was at Talladega. Ralph Allo put up his little Twitch stream there of it. And it was the highest strength of field ever on iRacing. 7,038. So they were getting some practice in, and Ray Alfala won with uh, missing the giant wreck on the last green flag lap. Talk about a stacked field. I mean, holy cow. It looks like a peak race. It's basically 
almost everybody in there is a peak driver or a former peak driver. And uh, I, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, to see the highest strength of field race ever, uh, you know, pretty neat. Does that include the peak fields? I think that, yeah, well. Highest strength of field A open ever. A okay. open ever, yeah. All right, well, let's talk about the race. Uh, uh, Parker Kligerman uh, was there at the, you know, in the booth for a part of it. Uh, I kind of heard a little bit of him talking. Uh, I was kind of watching on and off on my phone uh, as I was finishing up work, but yeah, they they chatted there about how um, they asked Parker how he started his team, um, Burton Kligerman Esports, and he said he talked to Jeff Burton about a year ago about esports, and Jeff actually suggested thought was thinking about how to get involved with it. So that's how the the team idea came about, which is pretty cool because I wouldn't expect that from Jeff Burton, at least from the outside. Right. Uh, um, Parker, and they asked him what kind of involvement he has with the drivers. Um, Parker said he texts the drivers sometimes and gives them positive you know, reinforcement, but tries to help them build setups, and he hasn't much help there. So more so for positive reinforcement. <laughs> All right. Uh, I wasn't sure if he would get involved with the setups, but uh, Bobby Zelensky on pole, uh, caution lap, uh, uh, caution on uh, lap two, uh, a 33 gets spun by a blinker car. And, and then after that, I think they were like three and four wide, and it was like seven deep, and it was like pack racing. It was crazy. And they were doing a great job, not wrecking. Until yes, uh, somebody got Michael, uh, or no, somebody got Ray uh, Alfala, actually, and Ray's bad luck continues. Yeah, I was surprised. They almost wrecked on lap 24 um, when Michael Guest blew his engine uh, and somehow didn't wreck the field. Yeah, and that wasn't there a big one where uh, another guy almost got turned near the front and then he saved it somehow? He went down to the apron and saved it? Yeah, Christian Challoner got got almost sideways dead sideways there um but it broke up the mid pack there and they got two packs kind of going but yeah that one should have been another wreck um they did have a wreck on lap 49 uh, where keegan lee he got taken out and conti got taken out a little bit but there wasn't any damage that you know couldn't keep them rolling yeah and then the end uh you know three lap shootout i i got to watch that i was out of work and you know, first of all, Race Spot calling the broadcast, uh, the Evan P- Picacho or whatever his name is, he is the bomb. And um, he really deserves a real shot at real NASCAR. I mean, he's really good at what he's doing. Could bring him in for like an Xfinity race. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, he deserves a shot. I mean, um, the other thing I want to mention is NASCAR was really pushing this race on their social media. And I was kind of wading into the comments of of the post of the broadcast and i was looking at what people were saying and there were several fans in there that were race fans they're like i never even heard of this until now and wow this is great racing and hey how do i watch iRacing? how do i watch the peak you know and people would post a link and there was a lot of people that were getting exposed to it for the first time i could tell just by reading the comments of a nascar uh tweet well, not only were they doing that, I opened up my NASCAR app today, and the first like three stories were iRacing. Right. It gives them something to talk about midweek, and so it kind of fills a gap for them, too. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. It was an awesome finish. Yeah. I mean, feel bad for Davies, because he was, he was so close. They almost Brad Davies, it. wow. 
It's interesting that you mentioned midweek action because just about every other week, uh, the guys on the morning drive on Sirius XM are, are clamoring for a Wednesday race or more Wednesday, uh, a Wednesday cup race or something like that. And we've basically had that through this online uh, media now. Yeah, we just got to get them be to, to talk about the race, you know. And uh, But the racing was really good there at the end. Uh, I saw that one time uh, Ottinger, he, he put up a Twitter afterwards. I think he said, I took an elevator to the lead. And he was like at the at the very top level uh, of the racetrack. And he got pushed to the front and he went all the way to the bottom down to first place. And it was just some cool moves like that that were happening. But yeah, at the end, uh, Brad Davies—he uh, was the leader, but he was getting—he was going to get shuffled no matter what. But, uh, but you know, the forty-seven car—he—he he just really did a, a good job on him, right? Oh yeah, this was uh, a quite. He kind of got a push up there where he got clear enough where he could go high on the leader, and he went around high on the leader because it, he got clear of the second row, and that was really the trick. And once he went high, you know, there was no beating him. I just couldn't believe they almost let Luza win another race. Yeah, so Ryan Michael Luza, second is where he finished. And uh, he's been winning all those races. So, I mean, to come come out of this wild card with a second and pad his points lead even more, I mean, he has nothing to worry about going into the championship. Nothing. Yeah. There is uh, an interesting tweet here by Clint Boyer. I love this tweet. So he's completely blown away how real this is. Hard to believe people behind a computer can produce and experience the same excitement as a real deal. Hell of a show. And then, it continues on, his spotter, Brett Griffin, uh, replied and said the 88 of Brad Davies missed a block high when the 47 Rottinger jumped out. Would have stalled him out. Driver shit the bed on that one. <laughs> so then, our OSRA guy, uh, Kevin, <laughs> Mr. Jeff Figlin, said we need to hire spotter Brett to call that block out. Well, yeah, <laughs> That'd be and I think cool. you know Brett Griffin probably knows Brad Davies. Doesn't even realize who who he's calling out. They work in the same building. Duh. That'd be it'd be cool to get a Brett Griffin spotter pack. I'd like to hear that voice. All right. So it was a good race. The recap uh, was good. Um, I watched it up on the big screen. Uh, I was impressed. I was entertained. I felt like I was watching a real NASCAR race or something even better, a better version of it. Um, uh, Nick Nieben, who is the spotter for, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, one of the peak drivers. Dylan Duvall. Dylan Duvall, right. He put up a, a video of his view of the peak race, which I love watching. I actually watched this last night for about 30 minutes. Uh, watching Nick do spotting for Duvall and see how he does it, see what his view is, see what they talk about, see what the strategy is. I mean, you're hearing all this on the radio chatter, and it's kind of interesting to get a behind-the-scenes view of what happens in these peak races from a spotter uh, perspective. And I, I really enjoyed uh, Nick uh, putting up that video, so thank you, Nick. All right, uh, next, uh, David, Indy 500. All right, the Indy 500 qualifying is coming up soon, and qualifying is going to be done in separate sessions, kind of like all the old official races used to be. And the splits are going to be done by qualifying time rather than I rating. And they've placed a poll for everybody because whatever 
whatever weather settings are set for qualifying must also be set for the race. And so they put a poll up with three options, static weather and sun, static weather, dynamic sky, full dynamic weather and sky. Um, and interestingly, I don't know if I should call the results out or not, but um, a couple of the results are really, really neck and neck with a, with another one being pretty low. But the two results that are neck and neck are pretty are the basically opposite ends of the poll. Uh, so they're going to have an interesting decision to make with it basically being such a close tie. Oh, they already made the decision. The poll's okay. over. I missed that part. Yeah, the 43% won it. Over the forty-two percent who lost it, so it was just That's, six six points uh, or six votes was the difference. Yeah, six votes was the difference. So it, now that we're, yep, I didn't. This was we had this article up last week, but we didn't have time to hit it. Uh, it's interesting that six vote difference. It was almost one of those things where I think if static weather, dynamic sky wasn't there, the other one probably would have won. Why is this like? Why is this even a problem? This shouldn't even matter. It should be, if you're sim racing and they've got the option, it should be dynamic weather and sky full. Right. So that's what it was going to start at. But then they realized that's going to really jack up qualifying. And that means the top 33 aren't going to be the fastest 33. It'll be whoever caught a cloud. Okay. But well, if you have so, all week so, to catch a cloud, so what? Right. And so people just do it over and over and over and over until they catch a cloud. Okay, so why does it matter in the qualifying? Okay, why did they why did they have to have their qualifying and the race the same? Why couldn't they separate that? That's apparently undoable. They can't separate it based on the way the software is right now. Well, well, I think historically with the Indy 500, they always had you could spend all week qualifying, okay? And they have sessions every 15 minutes or whatever. And and you can, you know, dial your car in, try it. Okay, go dial your car in, try it again, and so forth. And so they don't want to take that away. But now because we have this dynamic weather and stuff, it kind of throws that out the window because now it's all about catching a cloud. So what they decided after the poll, and because who won the poll, I believe, they're going with static. So it'll be like it used to be in the past. So even the race, we're going back to one weather pattern and that's it. Yes. Like it just... I don't understand. It's so, it's such a, it's a, it, it's a, it's unnecessary. It's basically a throwing the baby out with a bathwater solution. Well, you can't in a hosted race. You can't make a separate qualifying question, uh, like three separate qualifying sessions feed into one race session, can you? No. So if they can't do it in hosted, I doubt they could do it in official. But they're not. They're just getting a qualifying time. They're not setting the race up from that qualifying time you're basically going onto a list for your time and then they're putting all the top ones into a split and the room doesn't matter it's it's just taking your data to put you in a room why should that your qualifying shouldn't be the same as the race they're in totally different times i agree i, I think the race should be dynamic but the qualifying should be static but they're saying they can't they said they can't do that oh i see that's Okay, well, if, if there's something software-wise that you know that's what's going to happen, it just seems unnecessary. <laughs> no, they said they said we can't. They said basically, however we set qualifying, we can't set the race a different way. So when they came out with dynamic weather, this is one of those unintended consequences that nobody ever thought of. 
So maybe it would obviously be rectified for next year. I hope. I, I don't know. I kind of like go with dynamic and see what happens. I don't know. I don't know what to say. But anyway, they announced the race itself. Uh, it's going to be uh, Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern, and sat uh, Saturday, uh, or I think that's supposed to say Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern. And so that's May 17th through the 19th. So what is that, like three weeks away? Two weeks away. Yeah, so it's not long because then they also that week we got the Coke 600 as yeah. well. And then not far off of that is a couple weeks later is Le Mans. Yep. Lots of racing. There's a lot going on, guys. That's a big, uh, big race weekend. All right, Chris. iRacing, is there any way... Oh, never mind. Yeah, uh, Steve Smith Jr. posted on the forums a video of um, Rockford Speedway's uh, figure eight trailer race. I was just wondering if maybe we could get this stuck in iRacing. Oh man, it's a fun race to watch, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that I actually want to run it. It'd probably be, uh, it'd be really nice to have that simulated cleanup, though. I think after the race, compared to what they have to do in real life. I got went down a rabbit hole watching this video i watched the whole race start to finish and i was entertained this is figure eight racing uh you have to haul a trailer of some kind it's either got to be like an rv or a boat uh they're mostly rvs uh, some people have boats but uh and it's a figure eight race and then whoever is standing at the end wins and so eventually they all wreck out and it's amazing the carnage that happens. I mean, there's litter everywhere. It's crazy. I'd like to see the official rules because to me it seems like the guys with boats have an advantage because most of the boats would fall off the trailer and then they just have a an empty trailer while these other guys were pulling around RVs still. See, I drive yeah. a truck for a living. That's an unsecure load. That's <laughs> that's, that's 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 not right. And and they were and it's very offensive. Like. You don't just run around trying to be safe. You're pushing the guy in front of you into the wall or into the guy in front of him. So they go into the wall. I mean, you're trying to wreck the people around you. And it's it's totally like a demo derby. But anyway, uh, yeah, somebody, Steve Smith Jr., uh, in the forums, he thought, well, we need this in iRacing, you know. And uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe someday when they run out of stuff to scan trailers <laughs> i was gonna say that's a long 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 time away well you mean that's just after they get people up and walking in the crowds oh god yeah. mason let it go all right mason tell us about steve o'donnell yeah I, I kept forgetting to put this video on the script um because i have a hard time posting from the nascar app to my script but um we have a video on nascar.com of steve o'donnell uh chief uh, NASCAR development officer um, talking about sim racing and NASCAR's growth. And he's basically saying that he finds it, you know, essential to the growth of NASCAR. And he wants fans to not only watch the sport, but experience the sport. And he thinks iRacing is one of the ways they can do that. So nice to hear it again from another top officer in NASCAR. Yeah, I did see this video and uh, it's an in-house uh, NASCAR video that they just put on their website or their app. And you're right. Their app is pretty horrible. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was nice to see, you know, top brass and NASCAR talking about iRacing and saying how that's a uh, part of their long-term future. And, uh, you know, you can't be more happy to see that. 
On a side note, Junior mentioned iRacing again in his podcast, and I'm pretty sure the quote was, iRacing is the closest thing you'll get to real unless you spend a million dollars. He was talking to Will Power about that. Oh, yeah, that was a that was a good one. Because Will was talking about driving oval cars, and he said he's only driven them on the sim. There you go. All right, next up, uh, we got the 2019 Gfinity Supercar E-Series. Uh, shout out to our one of our listeners, Gove Boy, for the heads up about the story. Uh, he shot us a link on Twitter uh, to a Facebook post where it was announced that uh, the Supercar Series is uh, from Australia is uh, doing their uh, using iRacing for their e-racing series for 2019. It'll run in August uh, through the end of the Supercar season. Twelve teams will contest the 2019 competition. Um, Boost Mobile Racing is the first supercar team to confirm an entry with more to follow in the, in the coming weeks. They're going to be broadcasting live and free at supercars.com. And the Supercars and Gfinity AU social media channels, including live streaming Twitch. And so, um, pretty cool. Uh, what was interesting is uh, Supercars announced it before iRacing announced it. But, uh, but yeah, it's a done deal. I look forward to this. I, those supercars are really fun a c- car to drive. So this this is probably going to be a really competitive series. They're going to have open qualifiers, but I don't know any more details. All right, Chris, seven six eight K day. Yeah. So back in two thousand fourteen, uh, we had a five twelve day. Which what that is is so um, everyone's router and all the all the routers across the internet have um, what's called a, a BGP routing table. And what that is, is basically a map of the internet. So if uh, you're trying to get traffic from, say, your computer to iRacing, this map tells it how to get there. Well, back in 2014, we had um, that that map got too big, basically. Bigger than what the the memory was on the routers at the time. And most of the internet crashed, if if anybody remembers that. But it it was a bad day. And uh, so now... That map has continued to grow, and so now we're reaching another memory limit of um, 768K that a lot of older routers uh, still used. And so um, there's a chance that we could have a lot more outages, you know, and that, that's going to be coming up in probably the next month or so. Um, most, uh, most companies are ahead of this, and so it's probably not going to be a problem for most of us, but if you have a a smaller ISP that's running, um, you know, some older equipment, and you might have a problem. So <laughs> there's not really anything you can do about it. Just <laughs> pray, I suppose. Yeah, I don't think they're talking about the router in your house. I think they're talking about routers in ISPs. Correct. Like, yeah. 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 It, the stuff in your house is definitely new enough that you're not. It's not going to have the problem. Right. It's going to be some older Cisco equipment that some ISPs may be using. Right. So be aware. You might have an outage. Never know. Internet might go down. Right, the world uh, will stop. Yes. <laughs> kind of like uh, Y2K is what I remember. All right, uh, Mason, getting to know Michael Conti. Yeah, so uh, Junior Motorsports has a bio um, article up of Mr. Michael Conti. Um, he was on the iRacers Launch podcast a few weeks ago, so I don't know why you would need to read this if you just listen to the podcast. It looks like the same question, so... No. <laughs> There's a couple more, but 
or a couple of different ones. But but yeah, it's it's another cool way to get to know him and know a little bit about his background. Um, so be sure to check that out. And you can see his face and see how young this kid actually is. Wow. I always forget how young uh, a lot of these peak drivers are, but uh, he is a, he's a teenager. All right, uh, what's next? Greg, short course off-road racing coming in June. So it looks like, uh, who shot this? Uh, CJ Stout posted, um, oh, maybe not. Hold on. I'm trying to find it, the original. But anyways, um, Tony Gardner was uh, caught in the skippy at uh, Wild West Motorsports Park doing some uh, driving around it, I guess, uh, testing out the skippy on a dirt track, the off-road track here, I guess, coming up for the uh, June build. Um, what do you guys think of the pictures? It looks uh, looks like he's having fun. The track looks almost complete or complete. I think last time we saw it, you could only see the track and not like the surroundings, but now you can see the, you know, the hills and the surroundings and stuff. Yeah, it looks like he's, a lot of the textures have been finished and filled in. I love the elevation changes that we're seeing in this Wild West Motorsports. I mean, it's like hills and valleys and up and down, and that looks fun. It'll be interesting to see what they do with these off-road trucks, because even I'm wondering if they could take uh, these off-road trucks, because sometimes they use uh, like normal street circuits and stuff. I'm wondering if they could do like a track like uh, Detroit or something like that and put a a version of a, a jump course for those kind of tr trucks at that, that kind of track too because sometimes they do that i don't know what they're going to do are they going to do like grc too and use some of that stuff that's what i was thinking you run these big old trucks on a grc uh, course it might be interesting i don't know we'll see how it goes uh chris tyler hudson what'd he do yeah a little jealous of this one uh, he posted he tweeted um a tweet of his new um thrustmaster gear he got the uh TGT base and Sparco wheel and um, I'm running that same base only the Xbox version of it other than the PlayStation and it's been good to me and that that Sparco wheel is the same one that's been on my Amazon wish list for probably a year now so yeah it's how a, much it's is a, it at 200 bucks every once in a while I'll go on sale for about 180 but he All seems right. to like it so it's just uh, it's got some great <laughs> button placement lots of buttons and yeah, I think everybody on my team. It's like this is a good base, but I think everybody on my team has probably heard me whine about the the wheel that comes with it. Mine's a Ferrari wheel. It's a little too small and rubber, and yeah, that Sparco wheel looks perfect. That's what I had before this Fanatec, and I again, I like the wheel. Like you were saying, it is a little small. All right, you're oval racing those smaller dynamic wheels. Kind of can get to claustrophobic when you're trying to turn, depending on kind of cockpit or contraption you're using yeah my next wheel purchase i want to get a bigger rim than the g27 that's for sure something with a wider diameter i've been really enjoying the porsche rim when i'm in when oval cars or the some of the lower class road cars even all right uh david you're next the dinger says send it yeah, he's saying the exact same thing. We don't want to hear him say it with what we go through in most NIS races. Um, a fellow posted a, a tweet with a standings, uh, basically happy that he's been able to run two races in, in a GT3 class race without uh, any instance. And then Dinger replies and says, 
you finished a lap down, you, you maybe take a few chances. And um, this, I'm, this, I finish a lap down sometimes, especially if I'm, you know, a two and a half K driver and there's an eight K driver in the same field. Well, good question. Do you run fast or you run clean? What's more important? Maybe that's this guy's goal. Maybe it's just what he wants to do. Like, he, maybe everybody has different goals. Not everybody chases irating. Some people just chase to race, right? I want to go fast. Well, you know, I mean, there's times when you you have to worry about SR, and then once you build it up, there are certain series where you can send it a little bit more. Um, I mean, I only run IMSA and NIS now, and for the most part, I don't have to worry about I-rating because I get enough clean races in that if I have a bad race and get a bunch of off-tracks or just get caught up in mess, it's not going to murder me. Whereas, you know, when you're first coming up and you're trying to get that promotion, you're probably starting in the back and not caring where you finish as long as you keep those X's at zero. Well, it's just, it looks like he was trying to gain a class, too, so... Maybe he's trying to just work his way up. But if you're going, you know, the the competition aspect side of it, you want to try your best all the time. Okay. You know, it is in some of these, in many of these different official races, and when you get up there and mix it up, you're all, it, it's a lottery situation. All right. Uh, next up, I got, uh, it was announced last week that, uh, Ray Alfala's Wood Brothers 21 for the Peak Talladega race will have VRS as a sponsor. Uh, and they put up a nice uh, paint uh, uh, of that, a screenshot of the paint. Uh, I saw this during the race and I was a little surprised because uh, I forgot that the, about the announcement. I was kind of expecting the, the normal Wood Brothers uh, 21 paint. But the VRS paint came out pretty good. It looks good. Um, kind of makes me wonder, does VRS write a check to the Wood Brothers? To make this happen, or who gets paid, and who, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of why I put the story on here, was to, to talk about, we have a virtual racing school sponsoring a virtual car that's owned, quote-unquote owned, by a real team. Right, so do they write a check to the real team? and But yeah. it's a real team looking for exposure to try and sell sponsorship on their own cars, too, because they sponsor their own car. Right, what about Ford? What right. about Motorcraft in this situation? Did they give up the race, or did they were they just not sponsoring? They were just using that, you know, or what? Well, in real NASCAR, Motorcraft would pay less overall because they sold that sponsorship, or they let somebody else take it, so they have to pay less. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting what the business behind all this work. You know, how does it work out? Well, maybe this is something that was written in their contract the way they started it that VRS, since it was what his thing was from day one, was something that, you know, they have, maybe maybe he runs it two more times this year. Yeah, and like you were saying, the paint scheme, Mike, uh, I think they did a good job, like, kind of doing mimic. a throw, throwback-ish kind of paint scheme. Yeah, kind of a mimic uh, look, or, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you got to say one thing about VRS. Their marketing is great. I mean, they're, they're visible everywhere. I mean... Uh, they're all in all kinds of different series. Uh, you'll see them in the, the Porsche series. You know, you see them over here in Peak. You know, uh, you see them all over the place. Um, they they sponsor iRacing official series as well. And so there's a lot of stuff that they're doing. I got the webpage pulled up here. And uh, they're, out, they're one of the banners on the side. See? 
Yeah, their marketing is top notch. I'm wondering what kind of revenue they bring in. You know, like there's what's the what's the overhead cost compared to what kind of revenue they bring in for it? Because there might not be as much overhead cost over the time. But well, you know, for a, what is it nine nine? Well, there's different subscription models, but most of the people is probably subscribed to like the nine dollar one. I think it is. Well, David, you and I were just examining all their pricing structures and whatnot. I mean, what do you think, David, about their revenue structure, and what do you think they're spending? I couldn't really guess on what I think they're spending. Um, I wonder if you know how much money their coaches make because they have a long, pretty large roster of coaches. Um, and I don't know if we want to talk about this later or right now. Um, you know, Lamont is coming up, and a few of us are running it, and. I'm always wanting to try to get better at, at the road racing side and the oval side. And one of the ways I learn is to have a, a critic sit and, and pick apart specific corners that I'm giving up a lot of time. Uh, some of my old royalty racing guys basically found me a second at Montreal. And then that's when I turned around and had that four, four win week. So I'm looking into uh, for our team, actually putting, putting up a get purchasing a class, session and and a and also a one-on-one -on -one session see what i could get through them so you know I, as far as I, I, they've got to be making money if they're still doing it because if they weren't they'd probably be cranking the prices up yeah their big uh, subscription was i think 128 dollars a month wow i enjoy my the, the biggest benefit that i get out of the subscription is that the video tutorials on the on a road course that i'm less familiar with all right, let's keep moving. Greg, not top 10. <laughs> this was, uh, we were going to post or work on this or show this last week, I believe, but, or I saw this last week, but it's quite interesting. Some of the videos, uh, the first one is pretty much, uh, NIS all the time. Uh, the way they're talking about it, take it easy. And then the first corner they wreck. Um, what did you guys get out of the highlights? Which, which one did you guys like? It was funny. That's what I thought. I was kind of laughing at some of it. Oh, yeah. This was a fantastic video. The music helped make it. Um, we got Matt Malone in there. That was great. Good variety of cars. I like the guy that chirped Matt Malone. They got the, the figure eight shenanigans was pretty cool. Get the rally cars. What about the uh, Austin Powers and uh, stuck on pit road doing the uh, back and forth? Oh, yeah, the guy stuck on pit road was kind of comical. But uh, it's it's fun to, you know, take a, a light, lighter side uh, look at uh, iRacing. Uh, the figure eight with the uh, rally cars was pretty crazy. I think what Dave the, and I... Go ahead. What about the karaoke? Yeah, I was going to say, I think Dave and I probably like the singing the best. Now, so what is that? So somebody was in... They were in a race... And somebody is on the open mic, and he doesn't know he's on the mic, and he's singing what? What is he singing? Country. Country Roads? Yeah, Take Me Home Country Roads. I just like the way that they did the production to this, because they went and all of a sudden showed like scenery from like the forest and stuff like that. And what makes Every once in a while, I catch myself singing on the stream. Thank God you have pushed to talk. <laughs> what makes it better is it's the old NASCAR <laughs> cup car. It's the Impala. There you go. All right, Mason, we got news on Alex Bergeron. Yeah, so World of Outlaws driver Alex Bergeron is uh, getting his shot in the big time. Um, he he was set to test 
a sprint car for Coleman Gulick um, Racing, but Coleman Gulick uh, seems to have had a back injury, uh, some herniated discs. So he is allowing Alex Bergeron to drive several races, not just the, the test race that they're going to do this season. So um, he's Alex is focusing on getting clean finishes, so I guess that, that answers kind of that side of it. Um, and then hopefully as he keeps getting those clean races, getting getting faster. Yeah, so he had a few races uh, deal with this guy. The guy got hurt, and so now they're putting him in the car full-time. So he's got a full-time ride uh, in this particular sprint car. But Yeah, the 410. Get it, man. I was going to say, it's like they heard you from last week when you told them to uh, somebody better jump on this guy. I know, I just said guy. that. Yeah, and then here's the story. It's like... Uh, you know, I, I didn't wish the guy hurt his back, but but you're right. This guy deserves a ride. He's going to have it. Let's see how he does. Uh, he's he's uh, quick, man, on dirt. All right, Chris, uh, 2019 season three. Yeah, uh, Tyler Hudson's out in the forums um, asking for input for the 2019 season three schedule. Um, the ones that we have in the show notes, it looks like uh, he's looking for input on the NASCAR Tour Modifieds, the 305 wing sprint cars, and the... Um, oh, that's just three of them. Uh, yeah, he wants I'll all say, of them. I, yeah, I didn't post you, all of them. Yeah, if you just uh, get on there and search for 2019 Season 3 schedule, I'm sure you can find um, just about any series you, you run. But if you want any input on what you're running next season, get on there and, and make your picks. So as far as voting, everybody can vote pretty much. I actually, for the first time in my inbox, got a got an invite to vote for the uh, LMP Le Mans series. See, what happens is you go to the forum for that series, and you participate with the community on developing the schedule. Now, that, how that happens is up to the community. And then at the end, you have, one person from the community has to submit to Tyler by email uh, the schedule and he even made a little template in Excel that you can put your picks in but if you want to have input into any of the season three schedule series of any kind of car series that they have you can and uh, that's how you okay do it. so yeah this message that I got from he's probably the guy running the community for that right that they're getting division. smart they made a poll yeah my question is is every track for the schedule going to be voted on like no weeks are going to be like somebody decided like for the tour mod maybe they wanted martinsville to start with so every single race is going to be voted on well so when we say season three that's a 12-week season coming up and any official race is what we're talking about so yeah. so you're they're going to vote on what tracks are they going to those 12 weeks with that particular car now IMSA and Le Mans and I mean any of the races that go to those that have the special events they generally try to either the week before or the week of have have the the 12 week official event run there as well to give everybody a chance to get a lot of practice races in before the big event this year uh, the Le Mans series is actually running at, on at Le Mans the week before, as well as the endurance Le Mans. It's it's all the weekend before, and then the 24-hour events the following weekend. So you can you got the opportunity to get a lot of practice races in. Okay, so get out there and help out, guys, if you're interested. Uh, Mason Bump and Alfredo. Yeah, um, NASCAR next driver Anthony Alfredo, who drives in the Gander Outdoor 
truck series uh, for DGR Crossley. Um, you can see him on iRacing a lot. Uh, he was in a truck race at Richmond, and uh, he was looked like he was in the lead. I'm not sure how many laps were left, but it seemed to be for the win. Um, so he got bumped out of the way by uh, Flying Aces driver, I believe Joseph Benson, maybe. Um, he was in the Kellogg's Cowbush paint scheme truck, so that was kind of fitting, too. Well, good sportsmanship, too. He said, great move, man. Yeah, it was a nice bump and run. It didn't take him out. It was just enough to move him out of the way and typical short track racing. That was a textbook bump and run. Like that. You couldn't have probably scripted that any better. Most times that ends up in a car just spinning up into the wall. Uh, it's pretty cool for Joe Benson, you know, this random iRacer, to be able to run an actual truck series racer and uh, take it and uh, show him what, what's up, you know. Yeah, I can tell you, I tried that same move earlier in the week and destroyed the guy in front of me, so. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, uh, David, week seven, Super Session. This uh, Super Session will be in the Fanatec GT Challenge on Saturday at 1845 GMT. It's on the Roval. 500 bucks. Go get that money, man. World of Outlaws, they ran. Uh, their championship uh, series this week. And uh, Australian uh, driver, uh, Tim, what's his name? Tim Ryan, yeah. He ends up uh, snapping a streak of bad luck and winning uh, and taking the victory at Velusia. Um, and Bergeron, uh, I'm not sure why, but he was at the back on the, on the feature and he had to drive up through there. I think he went from ninth to second. And that was really the show to watch, uh, to watch him come up through there throughout the race. I did watch part of it, um, but, you know, he got up there close to Tim, but he just ran out of laps, really. But uh, Tim did a good job and won it. All right, and then Greg, VRS GT ran championship. Uh, so it looks like Joshua Rogers won the GT, the VRS GT uh, World Championship three hours of Suzuka. Um, I guess they also, with a dominating fashion. Um, now he, that's the guy who just won the Porsche race, I think, too. It's really good in his GT e-cars, eh? Yeah, he's the man. Uh, so, we're not hearing about, you know, Martin Kroenke and, uh, you know, Gregor Hutu. Where are these guys? Well, it looks like Gregor Hutu is in this race. Uh, he finished in, let me just read, or sorry, no, sorry, he wasn't in that. It was Mitchell DeJong. Sorry, I apologize for that. Um, but he was 20, Mitchell DeZong was 20 seconds behind Josh. So good job, Josh. Uh, that was, that was probably a really fun race. I've got to have to look for the video for that. All right, Mason, we got an update on the Skippy. Yep. The Skippy here has, uh, is being worked on. Um, this is by Shannon Whitmore. Um, I'm not sure if, if Shannon works for iRacing or not, but they are a 10 year member. So, uh, he used person. to. He's actually a personal assistant to John Henry, is my understanding. Uh, okay, that clears that up. Um, Even says we better. <laughs> we identify another issue regarding the tire and how it seems to pick up grip. Dave is working on that. Also, Chris Lurch is working on the car itself. We have good arrow now and some good ideas for tweaks to the car that makes the front and rear of the car alive again. All right. So they're working on the tire. Dave is working on it, he says. Yeah, hopefully it's promising. Hopefully it helps this community kind of regroup. I wonder how it is in dirt. 
wonder how that was on that dirt uh, track. Yeah, you know, maybe that's why he was trying it. Remember we saw Tony trying the Skippy on the on that motorsports uh, dirt track? That's probably why. All right, Chris. Well, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, it looks like they've been working on night lighting for um, Chicagoland, Darlington, and Vegas. And uh, it looks like two or three of those tracks will probably make the next build um, per Tony Gardner. Uh, we don't have any news on which two out of three it'll be, but that's that's good to hear. Chris, can we get one of your famous quotes here? So, like, this one would be, uh, importance for night racing would be the lights. Yeah, yeah. Headlights are important <laughs> for night racing. Now, Tony also said they're working on improved headlights as well for road racing folks, and that looks promising. I'm wondering that if that's to try and get for Lamar, right? Yeah, I was just thinking, we need that for Lamar bad. I wonder if those improve headlights. I wonder if any of that has to do with the ray tracing stuff. I wonder if they're any closer to adding that into eye racing because that would be really cool. Yeah. Frame rate killer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mason, parked it at Dega. Yeah, uh, Parker Kligerman here had um, had a race at Talladega in the A-Fixed. Um, I'm going to put up another link here, Greg, for you as well. Um and he was up front in the field, and uh, he had a massive wreck because he blew his engine. Um, so kind of, kind of the opposite of what happened to the 17 car in the in the peak race. Unfortunately, Parker got wrecked and took out half the field. But uh, we had a, a listener um, post up that was really cool to race with him and get wrecked by him. <laughs> All right, let's go to hardware software. Greg, Caps Kutu Overlay. So, I use an older version of this. This looks like they're new. They've updated a bunch of it. So, it's basically uh, overlays that you can use to find out. There's a whole bunch of different ones, but they're to have overlays on your screen uh, while you're racing to just change up some of the things you want. So, you can have standings or relatives uh, for anything it shows you i rating and safety rating so you can just keep an eye it you can do stuff for pit help and fuel calculators um and then there's also for you know guys that run twitch or any uh, that that have uh people interacting it can put uh text on the screen so um so it's caps um the uh, website is caps dot K-U-T-U-dot-R-U. So CAPS is with K-A-P-P-S. So with two Ks. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought what was neat about this is I, I somebody said you can see your real-time I-rating status during the race. Like what will your I-rating be if the race ended right now? Man, that, that would cool. have been changing like crazy last night. <laughs> I started 38th with a number six car. I would have loved to seen how that would have gone up by lap 10 when I was up in the top five. All right. Uh, so check that out, especially you streamers. Uh, next up I got is HM Engineering. Uh, they have a uh, website, harrismuhammad.com. And uh, he's got this uh, formula cockpit. And boy, it is slick looking, and it it's got like this plexiglass on the side so you can see through it. Um, 
anything that's kind of you know vertical horizontal is plexiglass the rest is like a sharp red metal like a thin sheet metal kind of look uh but it's a very laid down you're laying down kind of formula one style cockpit uh what do you guys think of the design here it's not metal it's polymer plastic plastic wow so it's i'm guessing is this 3d printed could be but do you see uh, from the one when you initially click the link do you see how they have the pedal mounts it's got a little there's all kinds of these notches and you can move them in and out for your height and yep. it's just a little peg that they put in to hold it yeah it's like, it's a, like it's a, a little really, teeth it's like a really futuristic way of making a cockpit it looks like Kind of look, David. You were looking at something that kind of looked like this before. I'm sorry, I was prep reading, so I hadn't. I wasn't looking at this one. This one is crazy. I mean, I love the colors too. I mean, there's there's a white and red. There's like a black, uh, a more neutral color. And as you scroll down, you see it can all different versions of it. Uh, it you now that I'm looking at it closer, yeah, you can definitely tell it's plastic. Um, I wonder what kind of, you know, is it sturdy? Is it going to hold up? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. The, the, now I'm taking a glance. It looks, it looks neat. And that's, again, it's that very low uh, profile. And I think what looks good about this one is that you don't have the, the beam down in, in the way of your legs when you're trying to reach for the pedals. Hey, Mike, are you going to crawl down in this thing? I kind of want to see that. Yeah. That's yeah. I the guess there's, there's no way to. It doesn't open on the side or anything like that. It's basically yeah, you can have, have to go crawl over into top. This thing like a sleeping bag. See now, the, anybody that mounts like I see in the thing here, they have the. Uh, um, is that a Logi yeah, Logitech wheel that they're showing in a lot of this? But if you had the Fanatec wheel or something like that that has a disconnect one, I can see people damaging their. Uh, their rigs getting in with they because a lot of people would grab for hand points to try and get down like that's kind of it's a different type of design to get into something to have it open on both sides or to go over top of it you would almost need to make it a habit to just always take your rim off when you went before you get out yeah, yeah you'd, you'd have a hard time mounting button boxes or any larger Anything. size rim i would it's, feel like they could put in like a little door in it for a point there kind of like how a lot of your uh, race cars and stuff have the door bar in the roll bar itself to where you can unpin it and reconnect it i feel like that could definitely be beneficial in something that's that low of profile right it says it's upgradable so i'm wondering if they're working on making extra stuff for it because it sounds like there's keyboard trays and stuff coming along with it as well yeah no, it says no bolts no screws Waterproof, light but strong. What is the water? <laughs> what are you racing? I guess if it's in a basement, maybe if something happens. Made in Indonesia. Does it survive a champagne bath after you win a big race? <laughs> is that why it's waterproof? For me, it won't have to worry about it. I don't win very much. Uh, it, it's a pretty cool design. Uh, so check that out, guys. Uh, all right, David, tell us about Hyper Stimulator. Yeah, we had this one. Uh... We were looking at Nick last time and didn't get around to it. It it's basically a tub that you can sit in, kind of if whilst F uh, one style seating from Extreme Racer. And I, what kind of actually makes me a little nervous about this one is the fact that it already kind of comes with its own wheel and its own pedals. And um, I don't know if I you know unless you know you want that particular F one style wheel, 
it it almost feels a little bit limited at that point. I was going to say, that's what makes you nervous about it? Are you sure it's not the wing on the back that it comes with? <laughs> that is kind of corny. kind of looks like the, a shopping cart. The, the wing doesn't really make me nervous because I don't think I have to worry about it falling on my knee. <laughs> How, where are you going to put your boom mic if you had this? I don't know. So, uh, this have, this is a crazy looking car. I mean, this is kind of like the one we just looked at, but it's not plastic. And you, like you said, the wheel and pedals are part of it. You know, like, we don't even know what kind of wheels or pedals those are. I was gonna say it seems to be a theme because the next one's an F one style one as well. So this is a company from Australia, and uh, their website is hyperstimulator.com. And then, Greg, tell us about SimWorks. Uh, so, SimWorks.com With an U, X. SimWorks with an X uh, posted up about uh, the SX05F1 and the SX05MF1 eMotion cockpit. Um, I think my wallet just walked away looking at the price tag on these things. But uh, it's a f there's a, a non-static a turnkey option that you can buy here, as well as... Uh, a motion cockpit with traction loss access. Um, there's some videos on here of both of them in the works. And I got to say, like, it, it's a really nice setup. It's obviously like, it look, if you're looking at it, it looks like an F, an old F1 car tub. Yep. The front half of it, but like just to have the back right half right by the roll cage. So it, it it's a fully... It comes with everything if you want to buy it. So their lowest low range starts around $47,000. And it uh, looks like it could go all the way up to $72,000, $73,000. Whoa. $73,000. The, uh, the front wing and nose cone. <laughs> I cannot believe, looking at it, that it has like actual real carbon fiber in there. Like That is... That is like the best of the best stuff right there. But for that price tag, holy. Yeah, this is crazy. And so basically you're buying, like you said, a Formula One or IndyCar tub. And it's got motion built into it and everything Hydraulic else. Hydraulic load cell pedals. Greg, go to picture eight on that slideshow. Alrighty. Picture eight, eight out of 12. Yeah, eight out of 12. You can get the tires too. Oh wow! You can get Pirellis on it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably that's probably a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars right there. Well, that's it, like it, fully... it is cut off at behind the seat. Like there's nothing behind the seat from back is gone. There's no engine or rear tires. What do you think uh, the full price would be if you had to get the rest of the car? Do you think you'd get up and do uh, six digits? <laughs> yes. Oh man. I guess That's the next sim. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Chris, let's talk think... about the next one. Full motion sim. Yeah, so that one is probably much cheaper than what I imagine this one is um, from CKAS. They're Motion Sim 3 F1 C or 6BOF Motion Simulator. Now, this one, I mean, it's, it's just legit. This is if you have an F1 team or you have a NASCAR team or you want to learn how to fly a plane, these are the guys you call to get the real thing set up. Yeah. And yeah, they don't have prices. Be if you want to, if you want to know, you can't afford it. Probably. Th this is the kind it. of company that provides the Chevrolet with their simulator and stuff like that. Exactly. Oh, this yeah, uh, is yeah, state yeah. of the art. I mean, it's it's 
It's just the best way to, to ex- explain it. This is the stuff you see at like a Hendrick Motorsports. Yep. It's, pr- it's pretty bad when the car art has its own decals on it too as well. <laughs> Like yeah, the, the video shows a Red up. Bull t- tub, you know, Red Bull Formula One tub. Well, that big stand behind it is the projector mount. And then that whole thing, the big wraparound screen moves with it. The screens move too? Like it's all bolted onto that platform. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, so you that keep is your crazy. Full, <laughs> yeah, it's your full 180 FOV all the time. I like how a few of their packages are called low-cost systems. Like, wh- what's their definition of low-cost compared to ours? You're, it's you're like SpaceX digits, compared sure. to, um, you know, ULA. About six zeros worth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, this is the ultimate because, like you said, everything is moving. The projection is moving, too. The screens Everything is moving in, with, in unison with the car, with the motion. And a lot of these motion rigs we talk about, your, the seat's moving or the cockpit is moving, but the, the, the screens are not moving, you know. But this one, everything moves. And they, they kind of want you to have more than one in a building. So they have an intercom system for drivers and separate machines to trash talk each other. Imagine somebody wrecking you in one of these. I believe that would I believe that would be reason to get highly upset at somebody taking you out of a race. It wouldn't be one of those ones, oh it's just it's just a game, it's just a sim. No, you, you wreck me on one of these, I might get a little mad. It's cra I mean look at the video at the very bottom of the page. It's like a red Formula One <laughs> style, you know, car. And uh wow, he's got six DOF it just doesn't get better than that. I, and like you said, there's no pricing, so who knows how much it is. I like how they say game engine software, iRacing, and Codemasters F1 series. Hey. If, if you're buying that, I'm sure you're there's better. You're going to be putting your own simulation stuff on it. All right, let's keep moving. Mason, button boxes. I came across this on the hardware section of the forum. Um, we have Eric Luke 2. Uh, his title was Button Boxes for Sale, and he has his next batch up on eBay. I checked it. I'm not, I'm, he might have sold out um, because I didn't see any on that link. But uh, but he does make button boxes, and they look pretty, pretty nice. Um, I like the, the design. It's like got a carbon fiber cross with blue and silver. Yeah. Um, it's got two toggles, uh, a dial that says rear and front, so for your brake bias, um, an engine start button, uh, two kind of like volume knobs. And then uh, two, four, six, eight, just push buttons. Yep, pretty simple. And seventy bucks shipped to the lower forty-eight United States. Um, and uh, I'm impressed by the look of it. And uh, for seventy bucks, and it's got just about what you need. You don't really need more than that. I mean, that's a a nice introductory button box. Uh, and then he's got different colors and whatnot. Uh, if you go down through the thread, I think he is uh, pr- planning another batch. So, Yeah, you can buy a supplemental box that has another uh, eight buttons on it. Um, those have a toggle, four toggles and four push buttons. And that brings it to 105. Uh, that's a really yeah. good deal. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Problem is you got to jump on them when you, when you see them. All right, let's keep moving. Um, Pedals, high-end pedals. I'll take this one. Uh, Sean Kirk was at, posting up in the forums 
uh, an answer to somebody's questions about, you know, what's the best high-end pedals. And uh, they really came up with a couple different ones that I saw in this thread that a lot of people were agreeing on. And uh, one of them is the company Racework, W-E-R-K dot com. Uh, they have pedals coming out. Now, this is the company that's doing the SimuCube 2 wheel, but uh, they also have uh, hydraulic pedals uh, coming out later this year. Full hydraulic, uh, brake and clutch, modular, rebuildable, and upgradable in multiple stages. And uh, they do have a, a picture of them up on their website. No price listed, but uh, boy, they look really nice. It's nice they that they that... come on a plate, too. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they don't have that big reservoir that you see on most hydraulic pedals. There's, I mean, they take up as little space as they possibly could, it looks like. It looks like they're starting to figure out how to compact it a little bit more. Like what you're saying there, it's smaller. It's less is more in here now. They're just, you know, if you look at it, there's minimal stuff behind it. Yeah, these look sharp. Um, I don't know how your heel would feel if it gets on that race work that's cut in there. Unless it's not cut in, it's just a sticker. Oh, the plate? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it's cut in like the uh, grooves for where you can move the pedals on. You just duct tape some foam to that plate like I did with my Thrustmaster pedals. <laughs> that diamond plate was rubbing my heel. <laughs> I'm guessing right. they're adjustable on the angles they can be set at, too. Like the way that those... Because they're like pretty vertical in the pictures here, but you probably can lean them back just a bit. You would hope. They look pretty vertical. And they are from the... They are floor mount. They don't look like they can hang. Maybe if you use a coat hanger. Yeah, there you go. Hydraulic clutch and pedal. <laughs> coat hanger. I mean, I, I've never seen a hydraulic clutch, but... This isn't your headset, David. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the other company is called Augury, A-U-G-U-R-Y, simulations.com. And uh, they have some pedals up that look really nice, too. And these are pretty low profile as well. Um, I didn't see, like, a way to mount them. They don't have a lot of pictures, and so it was kind of hard to tell. But based on the forum post, a lot of people had very good things to say about these. They're made in Spain, actually. Yeah, it looks like they got a, uh, a little bracket there that has four bolts for each pedal, from what I can see. So you have to figure out a way to mount them or, or maybe something to mount to. Maybe one of those brackets is for gas and then another bracket is for brake and clutch. But I like that the, the pedals are three different si or two different sizes. Like the gas pedal is skinny and the clutch pedal is skinny and the brake pedal is a little bit wider. Right. Now, I've never looked into like these hydraulic setups. Like, obviously, most of the companies that I've dealt with are like fully branded companies that have their own software. Do these, you know, what would these run off of? Would it be just a, its own little app or something or um like mike i know you have hydraulic pedals what do they run it off of well they gave me a little exe software for calibration that you only had to run once and then uh that's it it just plugs into usb it's just a usb controller okay so it just recognizes it that way yeah this okay. one says calibration in a few steps using capital s software Good job. All right, uh, Greg, tell us about another set of pedals. Uh, Real Gear GT Pro 3. Uh, what are they calling Rick this? Rick Motec. Rick Motec ones. Uh, the Tilton floor-mounted 
three pedal set. Um, yeah, these are the guys down in South Florida. This is where Justin Laird got his cockpit. Okay, and this is, it looks like the, from the others we were looking at, it's, a, it's basically, this is not a mounted one. It's, you can mount them. They're calling it a floor set, but obviously there's no plate or anything they're sitting on from what I can see in the pictures here. Um, but it's a three pedal set. They're really uh, pushing the, uh, Real hydraulic master cylinders for the brake and the clutch. Uh, magnetic hall effect sensor for the throttle pedal for accurate position reading. Um, and then a real racing clutch feel. That's what I was reading. Is that was one of the things that they're proud about is the real race feel of their clutch. Um, and they also have a electronic control unit for it. Uh, so if you go to, uh, I guess, the Rick Motec page, you can uh, purchase these there. Hundred dollars for the base plate they do offer. Um, okay. Price is sixteen hundred for the pedals. And it says it uses the Logitech G twenty five, twenty seven, twenty nine hard mount locations for the the pedal base. So it'll fit on your rig if you have one of those mounting options. Yep. Not sure why they need a little electronic box, but they do. But uh, yeah, Rick Motech, yeah. Uh, they have pedals too. So. And I. I don't know if Greg mentioned this, but it is PC only. All right. Let's keep uh, going. We're going to go to results now. Last week was off week. Let's talk Talladega. Uh, yesterday fixed. Wow. Well, first I want to start out with a uh, fix the night before. I ran and almost won it and got a P2. and uh, was real happy with that result. But uh, when I ran the fixed uh, on Wednesday, I got wrecked out. I did lead some laps after getting pole position. On a green flag stop, I came into the pit road, and I got on the brakes a little bit too hard. was a little squirrely, and then somebody tagged me from behind because I kind of came over in front of him. And, he, and once he hit me, I hit the inside wall, and I was done. Uh, Tony Rochette got a P22. He got spun from behind. After being pushed in the corner, uh, ended seven laps down, but still had a strong drafting car. Uh, Chris, you ended up P4. Good run. Yeah, we had a pretty good race. Most of my races this week have actually been fairly clean for as far as Talladega goes. Qualified fourth, um, led a few laps, and ended up finishing fourth. We had a caution with uh, four laps to go. <laughs> but you four were in a good spot right when that happened, right? Yeah, actually, yeah, the wreck was happening above me with a couple of lap cars. I was in a, yeah, I was, I was in the perfect spot. I had a pusher behind me and had a real good shot at the win. I mean, if the caution would have came out about a half a lap later, I might have had that one. All right, and then into last night's open, Wednesday open, uh, wrecked out again for me. Uh, I just can't miss it. I, I don't know what my, my thing is, but um, I, I had it. We had a great set, so let's start with that. You know, Brent McCoy put together something that was still a work in progress, but we ran it anyway, and and uh, I was happy with the set. I mean, and it, it, I led the most laps. Uh, I was in control of the race pretty much. Um, when we got down to the end uh, and the final restart, I was right where I wanted to be. I was on the outside in the front, uh, P2 or P1, depending on which lane was in front. And uh, the guy that was on the bottom second back, he decided to switch lanes, even though there was a lane of cars above him. And he just went straight from the bottom all the way to the top and took us all out. 
and uh, and I finished uh, way way in the back because I got wrecked out there on the final lap. And uh, but you know I'm happy because I was in position to win. I was leading that race. I led the most laps. You know it was still a good re- good race for me, even though I didn't get a good result. Uh, Chris, you ran and you got wrecked too. Yeah, that sucked too. Uh, I hadn't raced with teammates very much lately. I've been I'm kind of in a no man's land i racing wise, and got to race that one with Greg. I'm down and... there working with you now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been going the wrong way. But, and we were having a good race. We had uh, Jesse Gray, friend of the podcast. He had told me a couple weeks ago he was hoping we'd see each other at Talladega, and he was going to push me to a win. And, man, he was doing everything he could. I mean, he, he pushed me to the lead, led 14 laps, which was one then less. Then I came the... around you on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he, I mean, like he said he's, hey, he was doing it, man. He was, he gave me a good shot at it, but we, he was about ready to push me into the lead again. And, uh, the two cars in front of me went high and I went low under him. And one guy decided that he didn't want to go high anymore and pushed me down the apron and lost the car and took out myself and a bunch of other guys. But man, yeah, that sucked. Cause man, Jesse, he said, like I said, he was, he was, give me the help. And I had Greg there too. And we just couldn't quite get it done. All right, Greg, how was your run? Well, considering uh, I started that whole sequence of when I registered and kept getting a blue screen until I finally got in and uh, finally got everything sorted out with a whole re-graphics configuration and everything and didn't qualify and started, I think, 38th. <laughs> and I, I was amazed because I hadn't gotten very many laps on that the setup or anything and the way that the car runs in the draft there is just you never fall behind from anything you can always you know make up you know time somewhere and i was able to go from 38 i think it was up to like the top 10 within two or three laps just because everybody wanted to drop off or whatever but uh, i was going for the uh going for the lead I, i i pushed myself into the middle um with five to go i i basically went between two cars, the outside and the inside lane, they left a gap and I went for it and went in there and then another car up in front clipped the apron going into three and took out most of the pack and it hit me just on the left front, but it was enough, I guess, to damage the radiator and give me a meatball flag. So I uh, couldn't finish the race, so I finished P25, but uh, good job on uh, the sets, guys. That was a fun race. That was probably the best restrictor play race I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. Another quick shout out to Brent. Yeah, that set was incredible. I mean, I've, I've been running um, some other sets this week, and and they've been getting a lot looser than what we've usually seen at Talladega. And that one that Brent gave us, it still had the speed, and I I didn't have a wiggle the entire race. Yeah, no problems with the set at all. The the you're right about the package. I love the package where you suck up. You can really suck up now. I mean, yeah. Even with the damage, I was able to catch up. I don't know if you you missed me or not no, uh go ahead p9 i got caught up in an early wreck where somebody decided it that i guess they were inspired by the peak race and decided to put it four wide on like lap 20 and so we had a lot of really you know pretty aggressive racing early in the race and but we were actually approaching a lap car and i was like oh boy um but uh, got caught up in that, had to fix the damage, and somehow accidentally didn't take fuel, I guess, when I was fixing the damage. Did, didn't realize it, and it was going to cost me 
but I got lucky with the timing of the caution, was able to get back on sequence. I uh, got hit again when a car, I guess, was running that VRS set that'll snap loose on you, and uh, that hurt me pretty pretty severely, but was able to get it fixed with another lucky caution. Uh, and after, with a couple of guys getting wrecked on the last lap, was able to salvage a P9, and yeah, everybody else is like, Dega, Dega, Dega. I hate racing here. So I'll take the P9 and maybe try one more and just be happy with it. Yeah, for you to get a top 10 after all that, good run. Well, I think the best thing about this package is you're never out of options now. Like when you were used to run the pack racing, if you got stuck on the bottom, wherever you were in that line at the bottom, if nobody moved, you you were staying there. But if you can get yourself, you can move yourself around, you have an option now to go somewhere and you won't, you don't lose time trying to find that option. Yeah, the high line's working. The high line's working. Um, side draft is even working pretty well. There's been a couple of times I've been able to get a good run and and fly five or six cars up in front, especially if you're if you're close enough that you that you can catch up with the rest of that outside line. Yeah, and Mason, you had the best result, P three. Yeah, it was a it was a good race. Um, the A Open that we ran the other night was the the cleanest race at a super speedway I've ever ran. There was like one or two cautions, um, but this one was also pretty clean. There was only like five total cautions, and we got two long green flag runs where we had to excuse me we had to pit, um, which those went pretty smoothly. The last one I shouldn't have taken tires on that cost me some time but i was still out with the top five for the final uh, couple laps there and i got a good restart on the last one uh, but i didn't have help for the entire last run so uh, we couldn't get up there for the win but we got up to three so that was, that was all right and then bill hole ran i think he got 11th or something and then brent mccoy ran and i think he also got 11th uh then today I ran open uh, with Tony Rochette. Uh, I got wrecked out in the first caution. I couldn't believe it. I had, have not gotten a finish in NIS yet this week. And I'm uh, pretty bummed about that. But uh, I couldn't miss it. I mean, the guy in front of me just lost it. I was running like 12th. He was like 8th. And he just like was loose. He was probably running that loose setup you're talking about. In, in the middle of the corner, he just spun himself out. And uh, came back up the track, and I was trying to sneak by, but I did. I couldn't make it. Now Tony yeah. Rochette was running. He uh, he ran P4. Now he almost was going to win this race, but he screwed up uh, getting on the pit road. He uh, ended up uh, speeding on pit road on a green flag stop. Now I jumped in and started spotting for Tony because my race was over. And uh, when I came in, he was running ninth. And he had a pack of eight in front of him, and they were side by side. And I'm like, dude, you got green flag stops coming here in about five or six laps. Let's get you to the front. And I coached him to the front with my spotting, and he he put the car where I told him to put it. And sure enough, he got to the front as we came to green flag stops. And, man, I was impressed with Tony's driving. Good job. Live spotting really helps if you can have someone that tells you where the runs are going, especially at the super speedways. It's oh yeah, that's beneficial. Well, you could tell that Tony wasn't sure what to do. He felt like he didn't have anywhere to go. I kind of got that impression. I'm like, look, I'm going to talk you through it, and I did. And sure enough, we picked our way through there. 
And uh, but you're right. I think if you have somebody who knows what they're doing to to coach you to tell you, it makes a difference. And and to, and he was committed to what I was saying. If I said go low or go high, he did it, and and it worked. And he got up to the lead. And uh, boy, good good job. Kevin, question for you. Um, whenever you're racing with the super speedway stuff, since you're in the, the super speedway league with me, how do you do without a spotter and like getting teammates going and stuff like that? We lost Kevin, but I, yeah, I mean, it, it's fun with the spotters. I, I really think we should try to spot each other more often if we have the time. And, uh, I had a good guy had a lot of fun with Tony today doing that. All right, let's keep going. Official other series, uh, David Lamar, you got to win P1. Yeah, even get, being involved in an accident with a GT3 car, uh, everybody in the LMPs got just pummeled. Um, but I was one of the front runners. This was the second split in this particular safe case, and there's all high high numbers, but a win's a win's a win. And it's the third track I've picked up a LMP this season. All right, and then the enduro race, uh, Greg, you bend the car. Well, I mean, <laughs> P7. I left that out of the notes. <laughs> That's okay. I. Anybody that watched my stream saw me live uh, lose my mind. So uh, David kind of was did actually pretty good in uh, not saying anything to me. He left me to my own demise, but he took over, and I feel bad for the guys because I didn't give them a good well, car to race with. I know I took out a guy to give us position, but <laughs> yeah, I know exactly how you feel. The same thing has happened to me, and I was just like. It's not really the thing you can say. You you, you wanted to park it. It's like okay, I'll, I'll take over, um, and you know it's happened to me. You get upset and and yeah, you just you stop missing the drives. You you get stuck replaying, and you feel bad that you took somebody out because you don't want to be that guy. I so I, I've been there. Um, and I did. It also gave me an end and a chance. Mark came back in and went ahead and took over the last stand. I was going to try to just run, just marathon the last three hours, but after two hours and twenty minutes, uh, even with this pad that I bought to add to my office chair, my tailbone was hurting again. So I was just like, Mark, we we were, we were fifty laps ahead of the person behind us. So I was like, Mark, run the last stint, and um, no, couldn't so give him seat time. Yeah, it, it well that and I mean it was selfish. I my butt was hurting. But it, it it makes me think uh, start thinking about rigs again, and I'm I'm wondering how an F1 rig will feel if I'm doing stock car racing or if I get a regular one, and you know is that going to reduce that pressure building up on on the tailbone? Um, so I'm thinking about it. So any of the listeners, if you want to toss me feedback and ideas on how much those rigs will help with that particular problem. I'm comfortable in every other way right now with the setup, but I don't know. It, it's got me thinking about it. All right. And real quick, uh, Chris Scales, tell us about OBRL. Uh, the, yeah, we had the um, K&N race Monday night, ran with um, Tony Groves. We were at Watkins Glen, and I'm pretty miserable there, but uh, Tony was pretty quick. Yeah, it was actually, there was a part of the race where I had him in front of me by a probably 12 seconds and the leaders behind me by 25 and they were keeping about the same pace. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, he was having a great race. I'm pretty miserable there. Kept it on the track and just finished toward the back. I saw that come up on my phone for the reminder for that race. And I saw it was Watkins Glen or road course. And I, I almost got the, I almost came in to come race with you guys, but I didn't get home in time. Oh man. Yeah. You were really fast there last time. All right, uh, let's jump into final thoughts. Chris Gales, final thought. 
Um, it's kind of a shout out to the other iRacers out there, man. It's been some pretty good racing this week for Talladega. Usually by this time of the week, I'm kind of fed up. But, man, we had a, a caution-free A-Open Tuesday and uh, just a few cautions in NIS races so far. It's it's in with, like I said, that, that a lot of guys are running some super loose stuff. So it's it's been pretty good. All right. David Hall, final thought. Uh, you, you probably do know I do stream quite a bit now. Um, I'm still trying to keep it on Facebook Live. Is, and the kicker with that is it's really hard to set the comments up where you can see it in, in, a, in a rift. But I have Discord working now where it will talk. Discord talks to me if you get on our channel. So And sometimes if I'm racing in the early hours when, when none of the other members typically are on TeamSpeak, I'll be actually sitting on the voice channel in Discord as well. Come hang out with me. And also, uh, just a little breaking news for you. I got my email today that my DD1 drive has shipped about Ooh. five days earlier than than the uh, predicted date. So it's going to arrive on the 30th rather than be shipped on the 30th. Makes me wonder if they've addressed the problem that initially happened that caused them to delay it to begin with. I hope they did. Well, I would guess so. I mean, they put in a lot of time to go ahead and methodically knock it out instead of just trying to delay by a few weeks and figure it out. Yeah. So I'll be updating as it, as it comes out. I might even do a stream, an unboxing stream. All right. Very good. Check out David on the streams. Uh, Greg Hector's final thought. Uh, Mike, I think I've contracted your luck the last little while here. I have not. I think I've lost. 300 or 400 I rating in the last couple of weeks here and not been doing too good. So I'm trying to you know, try something different here. Uh, talking with one of my friends over this, uh, going to try something different over the next couple of weeks here with the next couple of tracks coming up. It's kind of hard with the uh, Talladega race since it's the way it is, but with the next couple of tracks, I got a, a plan in place that I'm going to do and stick by it and see if it changes my luck. Cause, uh, I'm not, uh, not too happy right now is one of the reasons why I melted down on that uh, Lamar race. So I gotta get gotta get back into it, especially if we're gonna have Lamar, uh, 24 hours of Lamar coming up, and some of my favorite events with the Indy 500 and uh, the Coke 600. So looking forward to that and uh, racing next week. Uh, I guess it's Dover coming up next week, and uh, we'll see what it's like on the track there. All right, get it done. All right, Mason Stiver, final thought. Yeah, like the other guys are saying, I've been pleasantly surprised at Talladega this week, um, so that's been fun. Hopefully keeps up and we can get another win for Tifosi here. Um, I had fun in the rally cars on the week off uh, there on the weekend, um, racked up a couple wins in the in the rally cars, so that was a lot of fun. Got to play in the me. dirt. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but I got to run with Phil Linden a little bit, which I never usually do, so it was a, a fun little off weekend there. Um, and yeah, just keep going at it. All right, to Kevin Hash, final thoughts. All right, we lost Kevin. Yeah, we did lose him. All right, well, my final thoughts here is uh, thank you for Kevin for coming on the show today. Uh, Talladega, man, I was excited. I thought I was going to get a win this week. I still got a chance tonight, but uh, man, I just had my luck is horrible. I, I've lost 500 I rating between Richmond and Talladega. And uh, I got to get it turned around, like Greg says. Uh, what the consistent thing that's happening at Talladega for me is I'm in the second lane, and I get taken out by somebody on the bottom. So I don't know what I need to do. Maybe I need to stay on the bottom uh, to try to avoid that. I don't know. But 
that one race, I was a, it was a final lap. I'm trying to win it, you know, and I get taken out. And, you know, what are you going to do? But uh, hopefully I can turn it around. And uh, with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.